Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, December 30th. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. How are things going, Jeff? Well, they're, they're going, Rod. Still kind of licking my wounds a little bit from, from Sunday, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll beat that to death. Yeah, you, you and all the rest of us, and that we will certainly do. <laughs> and <laughs> we have a guest with us tonight, uh, Menachem Eikovitz. Menachem, uh, it's good to have you back on the show. How are things going for you? Uh, everything's pretty great. It's uh, good to be with the two of you. I always enjoy talking sports with knowledgeable people. So thanks for having me. <laughs> But you're going to talk to us anyway. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's good to be talking to you guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, Browns have lost uh, a couple games in a row, but, you know, uh, the, the Jets game kind of stung, but uh, here we are anyway. So before we move into football, I guess I'm going to talk Blitz beverages. Um, I'm drinking alone tonight. But kind of, uh, kind of had to do this because uh, you guys, hey, maybe you guys don't have. I know Jeff has a beer fridge, but you know some of you guys out there do, where you get the Christmas beers, and then you get to a point where it's kind of like past Christmas, and and you feel like you need to move on from them, and it's like, what do you do with them? So I'm I'm drinking this uh, drinking this now before the time has passed. It's a Three Floyds Alpha Claws Porter. Uh, 6% alcohol, and this thing gets really high ratings, and it's um, it's a really good, it's a really good uh, Christmas beer. I can see why people like this. Um, this is uh, people have been telling me about Three Floyds, and the only Three Floyds beer I've ever had was the is the what is it the Gumball Ale or something like that, and that's you know not your typical beer. It's very light and you know maybe fruity or something like that. Um, this is this is different. This is uh, uh, it's really good. If you like Great Lakes and the other very good Christmas beers, you would enjoy this. So if you, if you happen to see this, give it a try, guys. Um, pretty much all I got to say. Uh, excellent beer. We're gonna move on from the from the Blitz beverages. <laughs> you guys ready to talk some football, some Browns football? Sure. As ready All right. as yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there was, there was a game, uh, Sunday and I mean, you know, it, the whole thing, the whole situation is just a mess. I mean, the, the Browns, um, had all these, uh, all these players out with due to, due to contact tracing, um, because BJ Goodson, I, I guess, you know, BJ Goodson must have been, you know, the one who tested positive and then pretty much half the team must have been, you know, in close contact with him. So the Browns had... They all, they all, shared, a, share, all shared a hot tub, apparently. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I mean, uh, what a mess. I mean, um, the Browns missed their, you know, they, they delayed their flight. So, I mean, everything was off with us. You know, I don't know how... How you get ready for a game like this? You know, they they flew in, they flew in to uh, to New York, New Jersey, uh, Sunday morning, I believe, 
And then, you know, I mean, it, it was a rough game. I mean, they're, they're missing their entire wide receiving core. Um, you know, they're missing two out of their five guys off the offensive line. And not all COVID-related, obviously, but, um, you know, missing two, what, two of their starting linebackers. Well, two of their linebackers, we'll say. Um, it's debatable as to who's starting and who's not at this point. But um, rough game. Rough game. Uh, Brown still had a great chance to win. Um, you know, turned the ball over a few times. Uh, Stefanski's taking heat for, you know, for his play calling, among, you know, <laughs> of all things. Uh, right. Baker threw the ball way too many times. You know, Browns didn't run enough. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you guys and let you kick this thing around. So, uh, Menachem, you're, you're the guest what were your thoughts on all this and, you know, just your takeaways or just whatever you want to get off your chest about this Jets game before we move on to better things? <laughs> so I, I appreciate you letting me speak. Um, I, I actually think that starting the game with pa- passing the ball was the smart move because everyone was talking about how without the wide receivers, they're just going to crowd the line, which is what they did. They had, they had at points they had, Five five down linemen, five defensive linemen. So it's a hat on a hat, as they say. So you need to pass the ball to loosen them up a little bit. The problem wasn't that they were passing. The problem was that of the on second down and third down, the passes were incomplete. If they complete the passes, they get some rhythm going, and then they have the opportunity to run the ball a little bit, and this game becomes a lot different. The on second and five. There was the uh, incomplete pass to, to Janovich on third and five. There was an incomplete pass to Kareem Hunt, and then you punt the ball. So you, you you took 57 seconds off the clock, and uh, three and out. There you go. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Jeff. Well, thank you for saying that, Menachem, because, I mean, I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm looking at Twitter at the same time, and, and everybody's going, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Well, what I saw when they ran the ball was they were running into a brick wall. Um, they were getting one the, yard the of Jets carry. Were making, the, the Jets were making contact in the backfield. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, Chubb, Chubb was, I mean, he was barely making it to the line of scrimmage, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, you, you know, you, you can't give up on the run game, but mercy, the, the run game was putrid. So, yeah, you had to you had to throw the ball at that, and then you you know the turnovers happened, and you know we fell behind, and the next thing you know, Breakers throwing the ball fifty three times, and it the game just got away early, even though we had a chance to win it at the end, it just got away early. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of uh, Monday morning quarterbacks on this one. I mean, I think you know I, I think a lot of people. Yeah, I, I don't want to say everybody, but, you know, there's just there's enough fans out there who are just just love to second guess and, and get on Stefanski. And, and yeah, you know what? Stefanski took took the blame in his press conference. You know why? Because he's the coach and he's a good coach. I mean, he's not going to put anything on the players. That's his job. He knows how to do this just because he says he got out coach doesn't mean doesn't mean that there weren't extenuating circumstances. <laughs> You know, and every, everything else. So, you know, he's going to say that. 
he doesn't want any heat to go on his players because he knows they were doing the best they could with what they had. Okay. Um, I just, there's so many people that think they can coach better than the Browns coach. Okay. And we've got a real, I think we've got a really good coach now, guys, but let's even go back to, to Hugh Jackson or, or Freddie Kitchens, guys who made mistakes all the time. Okay. People need to realize what it takes to become an NFL head coach. And you sitting in your living room, okay, great. You can second guess these guys all you want. But you know what? These guys, most of these guys had to start out as either, you know, a, a high school football coach or they had to start out, you know, being, uh, you know, doing something in a college game and working their way up. They've been in football forever doing a lot of different things. These guys aren't stupid. They know what they're doing, Okay. They make mistakes, but, you know, sitting there at home thinking that, you know, that, that that you know better than they do, you need to think about that. I really think you do. <laughs> well, I, I don't think it was just fans. I, th- I saw several, I'll say, respected writers um, sort of taking shots at Stefanski for not modifying the game plan. Um, come on. I mean, you go in there with a game plan that evolves based on, on how things go. And when you turn the ball over early, that pretty much goes up in smoke. You have to adjust on the fly. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, you can, you can take the whole body of work and say, well, you should have done this or you should have done that, but you're not coaching in the moment. Yeah, That's right. Just to, just, also, just to just to you know further your point, Rod, from before, a lot of people a lot of people are are you know very used to playing Madden, where it's just it's a plug and play kind of it's a computer. So mm-hmm. they they say, what do you mean? I, I it, who cares what what's going on? Just run the ball. You could I do it all the time when I'm playing when I'm playing on my. Yeah. Insert name of I don't I I still have a PlayStation too so I'm not really sure what what the latest are. Like, <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. you not know, that I play yeah. it anymore, but yeah. You know they it it becomes it's this mentality. I I I've I've said to many friends of mine. I've said I've, I think I've written this on Twitter from time to time. There's a there's there's a mentality because people play Madden and people play fantasy football that it's just oh pick up a new player oh just oh just put in the next guy. It's not the right. same. You know, and and it's just yeah, it's just strange to me. It's silly, and and I, I just just have to get that off my chest. Okay, that's I think that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, well, the Browns had what like great eight guys out. The Browns had eight guys couldn't play in that game. I mean that yeah. that's a that's a lot of players. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and people can't get on me. It, I'm not saying that you can't criticize a coach, but people just come out and just, you know, they're just very matter of fact, you know, about it that, you know, that, that he should have, he should change game plan. You know, he didn't do this right. And, <laughs> and you also, can't say that. I'll say one other thing. If, if, if this information came out on, on Saturday night, right? Yeah. If this if this would have happened on if the, if the contact tracing would have come out on let's say even Friday, 
the game I, I believe the game plan would have would have been able to have been different. There would have had an opportunity for a real walkthrough on Saturday instead of the the parking lot in some, you know, abandoned New Jersey area garage that they had. You know, <laughs> like the, it's like those scenes, like the first scene from Law and Order where like you find the dead body on the side. Like like that's what we're talking about here. You know, this is this is what this is where they they had their walkthrough, and there's a there's, I'm I'm sorry that I'm like going off on a tangent for a moment. There's Joe Thomas has a story that he's he said many times that I've heard that there was a time when a, when one of the quarterbacks got injured and he was out of the game, and some guy that they just brought in on like a Thursday came in. And he, Joe Thomas, because he was at later in his career, had no idea, didn't practice. He had no idea who the guy was, and he introduced himself. Joe Thomas introduced himself to this to this quarterback, and that's what I'm imagining Baker is doing with these wide receivers in this in this parking garage, like just introducing himself right. to, to, yeah. to just figure out who they are. It, it's it's nuts. I mean, yeah, you're you're. You know, I expected Baker to, you know, to go to the wide receivers a little bit more than he did. I didn't expect him to throw to him much, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's insanity to think that you can just plug guys in and and just uh, and change the game plan with just this this uh, unusual walkthrough. <laughs> you know, the day of the game, that's all you have left, and, and go out there and just execute this new game plan with new players and with well, just a walkthrough. Yeah. I think some organizations would probably be more successful at doing that um, based on continuity of the coaching staff, um, of the roster, of the um, schemes. This organization is, is still too fragile to do that. Um, it's in year one and yeah, we've got some carryover of players, but these guys have had so many different systems and, and not to make a bunch of excuses because I, I think, you know, you, you go out there with the players that you have and, and you execute and the priority was, it wasn't because they didn't have players. It was because they didn't execute. Um, but you still have to, this is such a young organization and guys getting to know each other and they don't have that repetition to fall back on. So, you know, a Steelers organization can probably plug in a couple of you know, practice squad wide receivers and and maybe get away with it. You know, now Jamarcus Bradley didn't have a bad game. I mean, you know, for a guy right off the practice squad, he caught five balls for 60 yards. Um, I didn't think he looked horrible, but the game plan wasn't really built around him. You know, the game plan was built around the tight ends. And those guys had a bunch of balls thrown to them. Um, They dropped a few at critical times. Like Menachem said, it just, you know, just momentum killing plays. Um, we, We just never put together one of those long sustained, I guess we had one in the second half, but um, you know, from the prior week where we had a couple of really long sustained drives where we ate up a bunch of clock and we just pounded the ball down 
you know, on the ground. We couldn't get that started against the Jets. And it's because of how they approached stuffing our run. We just didn't have an answer for it. And that, again, I think it just came down to lack of execution. Yeah. And, you know, I really thought this whole game went back to the Browns offensive line, just really getting, getting beat. And I know that they had, that they were facing what, you know, seven, eight man front most of the time, you know, so they weren't just going up against four or five guys, but, um, you know, I think Nick Harris and Kendall Lamb and, you know, maybe it was everybody. <laughs> I think some of the other guys were getting hammered, too. But, you know, I, I don't think those guys were able to hold their own out there against, uh, you know, against what the Jets were doing. And I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, there's a reason those guys aren't aren't the starters, I guess, at this point in their careers. Uh, and, you know, I think an offensive line can stand to lose one guy. But when you start putting, two, you know, more than more than uh, one guy, uh, you know, more than one backup out there, then, you know, you're changing things up a bit. And the other team is going to try to exploit that, especially when all your wide receivers are out. So, um, so yeah, but I mean, I, I thought the game came down to the offensive line. I really did. Um, and, and they had they had a tough game. They really did. Can't argue. 100%. Yeah, so... Um, you know what, guys? I, I think we've talked enough about the Jets game. You know, it was a loss. Uh, Browns are ten and five. Um, you still have ten wins. You know, ten wins—the first time since uh, since since what, two thousand seven. Um, you know, hopefully after this year, we won't have to reference two thousand seven anymore. I mean, it was you know it was a an interesting season, but not one that we need to go back to all the time anymore. <laughs> but uh anyways um browns still have some issues lingering and we still really don't know what all's going to happen this week as far as who's who's going to be available who's going to play sounds like ronnie harrison's uh going to be back uh sounds like sandejo and goodson are out this week uh, uh stefanski sounds optimistic about uh jedrick wills um uh, Bryant and Joseph, uh, you know, it, it's hard to say they're on the COVID list. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. It sounds like I think they're optimistic about those guys. I, I don't know if you if you know if they're going to be back or not. So um, and, and who knows what else is going to happen between now and game day. So how do you guys feel just about the just about the roster heading into into Sunday's game? Jeff, I'll let you start off. Um, it's like you said, it's so up in the air. Uh, there's nine guys on the COVID list right now. Um, I think to your earlier point of, of the line play, if Wills and Teller are back and that allows Baker to be comfortable in the pocket um, and they can keep the pressure off of him, um, it, it bodes well for the offense being able to put some points on the board. And that, that was really the issue against the Jets. So if those two guys are back, I think it gives us a really good chance of, of playing well and, and getting a win against the Steelers, uh, regardless of, of anybody else 
on the roster. I think we're going to give up points with or without our starting safeties. Um, so we, we just have to be able to execute our offensive game plan and, and score points. And we'll be okay if that happens. Yeah. So what do you think, Menachem? Yeah, I, I agree with what Jeff said. Uh, I'll just add that um, the, 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 the Browns team that's playing in week 17 is not the same Browns team that the Steelers played before. I think that hoping and assuming that the, that the wide receivers are back, they're, they're, they're in much better rhythm with Baker. And as Jeff said, if, if Jedrick Wills and, and Wyatt Teller are back as we hope slash are expected to be, it's going to give, it's going to give Baker the time to get the ball to the, to his playmakers. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about this Sunday. That's pretty much where I stand. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you guys. I think, yeah, I think definitely Wills and Teller would be the two most, most important guys to get back. Uh, You know, I think, I think, Pretty much the entire offense revolves around that that line, and if you've got if you've got all five of those guys out there playing, uh, you know it's going to give the Browns a chance to to dictate a little bit more what they want to do. And I, I know the Steelers' defense is good, but we really don't know who's even going to be playing on that defense. And you know, I, I know whoever's out there is going to be trying to stick it to the Browns. You know, that um, that's. It, this game's going to bring the best out in the Steelers players, whoever whoever, ha- whoever it happens to be. Um, it, it sounds like the Steelers are giving some guys the day off today. I don't know if that means they're going to play or not on Sunday. Um, uh, I think T.J. Watt didn't practice today, and a couple of the offensive linemen didn't practice today. But you know, I don't think we're going to know about that until until uh, the end of the week or game time, as far as who's playing. For the Steelers, we do know that that Ben's not playing, and that Mason Rudolph is playing. So, yay! Yeah, it, it's interesting because <laughs> you know I that know the storyline is just going to be exciting. Yeah, the whole storyline, <laughs> and then the fact that I don't think Mason Rudolph scares anybody. But you know, guys, Big Ben really had not been playing well recently. But don't you guys just have the feeling that? that Ben could go out there with two broken arms against the Browns and still put up three, three, 400 yards passing. I mean, <laughs> I think the Browns just bring it out in Ben. So, uh, you know, I don't think he would ever have a, a real bad game against Cleveland. <laughs> it's just no. kind of like that. So, um, so I think, you know, that's definitely a break for the Browns, but um, what do you, what do you guys expect in this game? So I, I I'll tell you I I would expect that the brown that the Browns are gonna I expect them to win I'm gonna say that right now I expect that for the Steelers I think everyone's making a big deal about Mason Rudolph playing I would not be surprised if they just keep running the ball and try to establish the run uh, um, Ben had a good second half against the against the Colts last week and this is this having the week off this week is instead of having a, a, a buy in the playoffs, they had the team, the jet, the, sorry, the Steelers haven't had a buy since very early in the season, much earlier than they were supposed to because of the Titans having COVID issues. So they've been playing for, they've been playing for really a long time. 
without a break. So this is going to, this is, I think they think it's going to help Ben in the playoffs much more. And quite frankly, if they don't need Mason, they don't need Mason Rudolph to pass the ball, but they need to get their running game going. And I would, I would be, I would expect to see a lot of their running game. And I mean, I, I, I hope that that means that we win, but you know, that's, that's what I would like to expect to see. Do you think? Do you think all the all their offensive linemen start? I think uh, DeCastro didn't practice today, and um, I'm forgetting the name of their center. I think he didn't practice today too. Pouncy. Pouncy, yeah. So I don't know if I don't know if all those guys are going to play or not. Right. So that, that that would also make a make a difference. And they have a they're they're an older team. Our, you know, our oldest our oldest player is J.C. Treader, who's 29. They have a bunch of over thirties, mm. so wow. they they might they might want to rest as many as they can, obviously within reason. But uh, you know, it's 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 not so easy to just rest starters as people like to think it is. But you know, I think I think some of their I think they're going to be strategic in who they in who they you know I I I wouldn't be surprised if if Eric Ebron doesn't necessarily play. Um. A lot of the older guys, is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. It does. Um, do you feel, uh, you know, I, I looked a little bit at the playoff picture for them, you know, uh, number, what, number two versus number three seed. Uh, it's what between them and, and uh, the Bills, right? I think for the number two seed, if I'm correct. Um so I mean they they have a little bit uh, riding on this game potentially, but you know I don't know how important it is to them. Maybe they're maybe they're more concerned about getting their players healthy, you know, and then making a run, you know, trying to make a run in the playoffs. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just not sure. It seems like somebody knows something about about what's going on because. Cleveland started as I, I think like a seven point favorite in this game at home, and I think the spreads up to like ten points, which to me is amazing that that the Browns are hosting the Steelers, where the Browns <laughs> have not beaten the Steelers many times, guys. Okay, and, and you know recently especially, the Browns have a lot of these COVID issues. You know, questions about who they're going to have available and everything, and and just got beat by a one-win team, and now they're facing the Steelers. Who, yeah, they're going to rest a few guys, but and and they're a ten-point favorite. Does that surprise you guys? Hmm. Menachem, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's definitely surprising, but I think some. I think they. I think. They think that a lot of a lot of the key players on the Steelers won't be playing. Yeah, I, that, that's the only that's the only explanation for it. And, yeah. So, do you guys think any uh, do, you, do you think anything's going to come out of Rudolph starting in this game, or do you think like Stefanski said in his uh, uh, in his little press conference today that that that's ancient history? I mean, it's before his time, so. Um, do you think do you think everybody's past that? I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, 
I would I would love to think that they're not, and you know that 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 whole thing from last year is going to amp them up this this week, um, because they they have a right to be angry. Um, yeah. yeah. But I just think the way players are there, and and it's part of the, I think the culture that that um, the Browns tend to have is that guys don't play angry. Um, you know, you get, you get guys jawing every once in a while, but, um, you know, I, I, I tweeted, or yeah, I think I, I tweeted about, um, when, um, Smith, um, got pancaked by Sam Darnold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I said, you know, somewhere James Harrison is just laughing his ass off. You know, I mean, he would, he would never stand there and let a quarterback scramble and, and pancake him. I mean, he would, he would be burying Sam Darnold, <laughs> but our guys well, just don't seem to play that way. You know, so, um, well, well, let's, let's find the line here, Jeff. We don't want our guys to, to play dirty like James Harris. And we want him to play with some attitude. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind if, if, if we had a guy like that, that, you know, just took it on his, on his own to say, you know, Hey, it's like the brushback pitch in baseball or, or anything else. You know I mean? You, you know, you're going to stick up for your players. Um, I guess I'm old school that way. Um, but I, to answer the original question, I don't think we have guys like that on our team. So I think they've moved on. I think they're going to go out there and play the game. And, and you know, if, if it gets lopsided at the end, it will get chippy. It always does with the Steelers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I, don't think, I don't think last year's history will have anything to do with that. Yeah, so, so Menachem, do you think that uh, the team, this team has a personality? So kind of expound on this a little bit. I mean, especially now, uh, Stefanski is, is mild-mannered, business-like, you know, controlled. Uh, you know, and, and people people outside of Cleveland may, because of the Mason Rudolph incident, think that, that Miles Garrett is this guy with his temper, you know, this crazy guy. But we know that Miles is, you know, very mild, um, you know, keep to himself guy. And as long as you're not screwing with him, he's, you know, he's just going to go out there and play. Uh, the, and the Browns really don't have other guys like this. Do you think there's a place on this team for, for a guy like Jeff's talking about? I mean, I, th- I, th- I think that we need a little, I think every once in a while we need a little, you know, attitude on the field. Um, I mean, if you looked at, I know we kind of closed the book on the Jets game, but if you look at the Jets game from last week, uh, Carl Joseph was going after people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm I'm not saying again, not saying anyone should try to injure anyone, but there's 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 a, there's a moment to stand up for yourself, and you know if 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 they punch you, you punch them back harder. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Joseph and Sandejo are the two guys who who are not afraid to really put a shot on a guy. Right. You know, and well, we I, 
You know, I think uh, B.J. Goodson has really put some licks on some guys, too, for that matter. But, you know, I mean, they've just they've just been really good football hits. I think uh, Joseph's probably the only guy who really probably would like to get in a fight that I right. can think of on this team. Right. And, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Uh, but I, I agree with you guys. Having, you know, having somebody to – to be the tough guy on this defense probably would not be a bad thing. I mean, we've got some big, strong, tough guys, but but they really don't they really don't use that to to speak. So yeah, I, will, kind of, I, will, I could add one other point to to this intrigue of the Rudolph Garrett you know grudge match. So every week, Coach Stefanski picks a player to be the the uh, team captain. I, I don't believe Miles Garrett has had his turn yet. So oh. I'm just wondering if this is the week. And it's just, again, a little extra intrigue there. But, right. Yeah. Well, maybe he and, he and uh, you know, may, maybe the two of those guys will be captains and go out there. Maybe Miles will just wink at him when they go out there for the right. coin flip. <laughs> maybe that'll get things started. <laughs> So I just hope there aren't any stupid penalties that that cost us the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Um, hopefully, the team can, um, you know, play smart. Play smart. Um, this is exactly the kind of you know emotional game that uh, that the Browns kind of let get away from them in the past. You know, and where you got to got to. Got to let the uh, let the play do the talking, and the Browns would get out there and just kind of, you know, if uh, if the Steelers, I mean, the Steelers like to like to be the tough guys, you know, come out and you know, and talk and 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 put the big hits on, or you know, or just try to do this stuff early and just try to get under your skin right away. And, and the Browns just have to have to let their play show the Steelers, you know, you know, who the better team is and, and not respond and get penalties called on them. <laughs> well, those those tough guys right now are looking more like a Broadway chorus line, aren't they, Menachem? They're dancing on logos and in the locker room and TikToking and stuff. Getting yeah, their butts, I said it. Getting their butts yeah, kicked it. after they dance on logos. <laughs> <laughs> They're looking like a bunch of over 30s right now. So, you know, but we'll, we'll see how they play. Um, you know, especially we'll, you know, we'll see once they get, once uh, the playoffs beginning, you know, and I'm not talking for the Browns. Uh, Browns obviously have to get in before we talk Browns playoffs. So, um, so, um, you know what, we'll hold off on score predictions for the Steelers game till, till the end here. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, what happens Sunday and the playoff scenarios and what you guys, what you guys think. Uh, Obviously if the Browns, when they they are in, they're one of the three, one of the three wild cards. Uh, if they lose, they are in. If the Colts somehow manage to lose to the Jaguars, you guys think that's happening? Yeah. Um, or the Titans can lose, and I'm not. Who are the Titans playing this week? Do you guys know? I didn't look this up. Uh, the Texans. 
Yeah, if the Titans lose to the Texans, which is probably not very likely either, uh, the Titans would have to lose and the Dolphins would have to beat the, I think the Dolphins are playing the Bills, which is probably not likely, and the Ravens would have to win. They're playing the Bengals, I think. Right. So, you know, so potentially the Dolphins or Ravens could win, but, you know, um, I would pick, I would think the Bills are probably going to hold court, and I would think the Texans are probably not going to let the, um, or, or the Titans are not going to let the Texans get the better of them. So, I don't know about you guys. It looks like the Browns need a win to get in. Is that kind of how you guys right. see it? Yes. 100%. I can tell you this if, if the Browns, find a way to lose to the Steelers and that Colts game comes on at 425. Um, there's no way on earth I'm sitting there for three hours rooting for the Colts so that we can backdoor into the playoffs. If the Browns lose to the Steelers, I'm done. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to watch the rest of it. If it happens, it happens. I'm not going to. Yeah. And that that's for me until, until this week, until right now, I haven't even looked at any of these other scenarios. So everybody's rooting for other teams last week. Yeah. I don't care. I just wanted the Browns to beat the Jets. Right. You know, to get in. You know, you can't be rooting for all these other scenarios, you know, two, three weeks in advance. Uh, you know, there, there's just um, too much football to be played and everything. And you want you want your team to, to win to get in anyways. You know, right. it's, it's, it's the end of the season, the last – end of the regular season, the last game, um, you know, emotions are high. It's an old rivalry. I just think at the end of that Steelers game, we're all going to be so physically drained that nobody's going to have the energy left to sit there and root for the Colts and say, oh, boy, I hope we can figure out a way to still get into the playoffs. You know, Well, yeah, they would need a Colts loss. Yeah, but yeah, I know it's the the Jags, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. So no, yeah. no one's going to sit there and go, you know, wow, I'm, I'm going to sit and watch this this game for three hours, thinking that well, we've got a you know slim chance of still getting into the playoffs. I think the mentality at that point will be, okay, we've had a good season. We won ten games. We made a, a huge step from where we've been the last few years. Um, you know, let's let's start thinking about how we can get better next year. Right. Yeah, what what's your take on this, Menachem? Yeah, I I, I agree. I I think it's got you got to win, and again, you you don't you can't put your playoff lives in someone else's hands, and that's what happened in two thousand and seven, and we didn't get in because we were relying on other too much on other teams, and you have an opportunity. Quite frankly, this week is a playoff game. It's it's win and you're in, and you keep going, or you lose and you go home, and you know, thanks for a great season. I'm, I'm very happy with with a double digit win season. I've li- we've we've all lived through 0 and 16, 1 and 15. We could keep going. Uh, some some of us a little older than others can go a little further back and remember things. <laughs> Ouch! I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't saying who's the old who's old. Young, but you know, I, I you know, I was. I, I, I still, I still, I still have the memories of of when they when when they moved in '95, and yeah. I, I mean I I live in New York. I don't I don't live in Ohio, 
but I'm I'm I grew up as a Cleveland fan, and I I love the team. I always have, always will, and it's just nice to be able to walk around and say we we got ten wins this year, hopefully yeah. eleven as of next week. Next next yeah. week at this time, hopefully we'll all be saying, wow, we got eleven wins. What a great season! I'm looking forward to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean this team is going to go ten and six or eleven and five, you know, under a. a First-year head coach in a season, you know, filled with question marks due to, to COVID and and everything else. Uh, you know, I, we'll talk in a few minutes about you know just about 2020 period, but it's it's going to be hard for me to come out of the season either way. You know, hanging my head. <laughs> you know. With, with 10 or 11 wins, this, I, you know, my expectations were, you know, were, were hopefully this team would go, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven under, under Stefanski, uh, just because of the way the season started. And, you know, hopefully we would see some development out of Baker, which, which we've seen, um, you know, hopefully uh, the offense would come together, which has, which has happened most of, for the most part. And and they would uh, address the defense this coming off season, and and year number two would be when they would, you know, hopefully hopefully uh, be prepared a little bit more to, you know, to make a nice run at the playoffs or maybe in the playoffs. So you know I, I'm good either way, and it's not like I'm going to be happy if they if they lose Sunday, but but man, it it's you know it it's been a it's been a nice season, guys. Um, I, I saw some kind of article as I was looking through prepping for the show, and it, it said something about Browns trying to Browns trying to avoid you know uh, epic collapse you know at the end of the season. I'm thinking, what are you even talking about? They had this they had this uh, classic game against the Ravens, you know, that, that went down to the, the last possession, and they they lose by a field goal. You know, it, who's blaming somebody for that loss? And then this Jets game where where there's uh, you know all these all these guys out due to COVID and everything, which you know, I'm, I'm not making excuses, but there's plenty of excuses there. This is not a collapse. Obviously, they should have a good shot against the Steelers, but we have to see who's available, who plays, how this game comes out. Okay, I am not going to come out of this game either way. Uh, slamming the coach or any of these players because this has been a great season period for me. Uh, there'll be plenty of people that'll do that for you, Rod. And I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> and I'll have my block button ready to go on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, so guys, so the 2020 Browns, um, you know, I, I talked about my initial expectations, um, you know, versus these results, um, you know, and not even looking at week 16 yet. But uh, I, I really I just wanted to look at this kind of as a as the year 2020 comes to a close, because, you know, tomorrow night's New Year's Eve. And and, you know, and we'll do plenty of season ending shows and talking about, you know, individual players and all this stuff but i just kind of want to talk a little bit about 2020 as a whole because 
it it's been quite a year it's been god awful for a lot of reasons you know but uh the browns have have been a bright spot for us you know something for us to um you know kind of put our focus on when everything else has turned to a you know turned to a pile of poop in a lot of cases for you know for not just us but for a lot of people in the world so um what's uh Jeff, I want to go to you first and just just talk a little bit about what you thought at the beginning of this season um, at, as things were starting and, you know, get from there to now and where this team is, you know, expectations versus reality and, and what you think this team has done. Early in the year, there was just so many unknowns about whether games would even be played. So we, we always tempered everything with, well, we don't know what's going to happen six weeks down the road or 10 weeks down the road because of players of ability to play um, travel. So many things were, were up in the air early in the year. So I think we, we all sort of had to drop our expectations even to have a full NFL season from the get-go. So the fact that, that we've been able to, to complete an NFL season, um, play a full schedule, there were some hiccups along the way with games getting postponed and, and stuff. But um, to me, it's, it's pretty remarkable that they've been able to pull that off with no, not you know, no more um, player uh, players missing games than what we've seen. Um, so yeah, to your point, um, I think just that alone was was great for the psyche of fans everywhere. That you know, we we were able to sit on you know Sundays and watch our favorite teams play. Uh, as sort of an escape from the realities of life. So, uh, you know, we talked before we even knew that COVID was a thing um, about our expectations for this year. And there's plenty of time later to, to give out report cards and stuff. But in general, um, the Browns have exceeded everybody's expectations this year. I, I think anybody who thought they would be better than they are in the first year of a new organization. Um, you know, probably had some unrealistic expectations to be kind. Um, so going through the season, seeing some progress, feeling like we have um, a good future in place, just like Menachem was saying earlier, being able to, to say we're Browns fans and hold our head high for once yeah. is man, that, that made 2020 a win, no matter, no matter how it ends. Yeah, I'm with you. So, so Menachem, I kind of feel like we, you know, a lot of us football fans needed football this season, you know, just because of COVID and everything else. And, this certainly doesn't, uh, you know, it certainly didn't, you know, eliminate the actual issues in the world, but I think it helped a lot of people, you know, probably to, 
to, like I said, to shift focus and, you know, and, and give us some positives, especially as Cleveland fans. So what has, what has the football season meant, you know, for, you know, maybe for Browns fans and for, and for you as a fan this season? I mean, as you, as you just said, the, the, the escapism, and that's the beauty of sports in general. It's for, for the few hours you're watching the game, nothing else matters. It's just the game is going on. You have this moment of, like, relaxation or, you know, ready to throw something at the TV when a call doesn't go your way. And, I mean, this is why, this is why people like sports. This is why people like movies. It's entertainment. And we're, we're very fortunate that the season is, you know, able to be played as it, as it was. And, you know, in, in Cleveland, they, they were able to have a certain amount of fans. Uh, the, the, uh, the two games in New York against the Giants and the Jets, those, those games had no, no fans in the stands. And I, I know that last year, uh, you know, last year I, I went to the Monday Night Football game against the Jets when the Browns came to New York. And last year I was talking with my friends at the Browns Backers Club that I'm a part of, and we were we were talking about well when we hope that the the games are going to be early in the season so it's not too cold and hopefully it'll be the and like we're ta- discussing whether they'd be back to back weeks like we had or if they're going to separate them which could have happened also and, and and like it was just it was there was the excitement and then not being able to go to the game was sad not even i mean we weren't we early in the season part of the group was getting together to watch the game at a at a at, at a at a bar or whatever and at one point they said we can't do it anymore and the 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 isolation that many people are feeling because of covid thanks to sports thanks to football thanks to the browns thanks to people like you and like jeff who are very very open to conversation on Twitter. It's given people that opportunity to feel the sense of community that they get from sports. And I'll say it. And on behalf of everyone who follows the two of you on Twitter, thank you because I've enjoyed the football season more. Thanks to the two of you. And I know many other people would agree with me. Thanks, Menachem. My pleasure. You know, we just, Yeah, we just like talking. Uh, we just like talking Browns football, you know. So, um, it, you know, especially with people like you who, uh, you know, um, just uh, great fans and you know people who uh, people who love the Browns and and you know what can you say? There, there's just there's a. I think Jeff and I both put out tweets a lot, kind of, you know, knocking some fans for getting on people and stuff. Um, you know, those are tweets at the, at the minority, you know, um, pointed at the, the minority of fans who, who are always calling out people and getting on people for, for doing things the, the majority of Cleveland Browns fans are, are great fans. Um, you know, just fans that have been, loyal fans for years and years and years and they're you know uh, in most cases they're they they're browns fans because they're they're their parents and maybe their grandparents were browns fans and it's just in their blood and it's just you know it's 
being a Browns fan is just like being part of a fraternity. And I'm sure, you know, maybe it's like that for other teams too, but it just feels different. I think being a Cleveland fan because of what we've been through, because it's been so long since the Browns have, have been successful because it's because of moving the team because the Browns have been so bad up until now since, you know, uh, for almost every season since 99 um, you know, it's like we've all been suffering through this together. So, you know, we do it because we enjoy doing it. Guys, uh, oh, I want to say one more thing. You know, we were talking about the, the games played, guys. Um, you know, before the season started, Jeff, I don't, I, I'm trying to remember you. I think you were on the show when we had kind of all, all said how many games we thought would be played this season. And I don't right. think any of us came close to saying 16, did we? You I know? don't think so. I think we, you know, all said, you know, probably, you know, at least eight or 10 at, at a low point. But, you know, I think we all said, you know, 10, 12, maybe 14 games or something. So, so yeah, the fact that 16 games are going to be played, it, it's pretty, I think it's pretty amazing. So um, the NFL has really done a great job of, you know, Doing what they do, you know, and and like was said during one of the games, they they uh, by one of the, um, the announcers, I think it was probably at halftime one of the games. They, they played it. They played an NFL game on every day of the week this season, <laughs> which is you know probably a lot of housewives' uh, nightmare. But uh, you know, for us, pretty cool. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we give our sports predictions, guys. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, about something that happened the other day, and that's um, in fact we lost uh, we lost Phil Necro, and I, Menachem is uh, Menachem's a big baseball guy too, and I know Jeff that you are. So um, I, I'm looking at a list of 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 sports people who have died in 2020, and it is. A disproportionately large list of people who have who have who have passed away this season or this this year, I should say. Um, and I got to tell you guys, and Jeff knows this. I didn't even know that Lou Brock died this year. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. um, when I when I started collecting cards, I I had the goal of collecting every single card that Lou Brock appeared on, and I I think I came pretty close. <laughs> but uh you know i know we lost tom siever earlier um whitey ford uh bob gibson um al Kaline just passed away you know just a ton of guys uh, joe morgan um so many guys full rizzuto i mean i'm skipping a ton of guys um you know that i don't know all these guys uh, tony fernandez um just a ton of guys and that's only baseball so um are there any of those guys menachem that menachem's been to a, a lot of uh uh signings and that do you get to meet any of those guys menachem i met al Kaline. i know I, re- I remember i met al Kaline. he was at a show once it was him and brooks robinson on the same in the same area and i actually i think i think he's signed i have a baseball 
that I have signed by numerous Hall of Famers, and I believe both of them, yeah, both. I'm looking at it right now. Both of them signed that one. Um, I you carry it around in your back pocket. I, I happen to have. I happen to just have. I happen to just have it right here. Um, yeah, it's a pretty. It's 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 one of those. I, I yeah, it's pretty cool that I I was able to get a, a, a numerous Hall of Famers to sign on the thing and with their with their Hall of Fame inscription. And uh, I met Al Kaline. I did not. I I didn't meet any of the other ones that have passed away. But I've. I mean, I've I've been at shows where you know someone was there and then like a month later or two months later or six months later you hear they pass away and it's like i i I just had this moment with them i just saw them i just got to got to shake their hand and it's you know it's it's sad and it's scary and it's it makes you think It, it does make you think of you know your own mortality and i'm trying i'm not trying to get anyone down right now but I just going to put that out there. But the Tony Fernandez yeah. one, that 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 one, I'll tell you that that was that he was he was a player that I I liked, and not only I I liked him before he was a member of the Indians, and he mm-hmm. actually helped knowing that he was the shortstop who played before Derek Jeter, won me two tickets to a Mets game once. So nice. if you ever, it's an interesting bit of trivia that he's involved in. So. <laughs> Yeah, he he was an interesting player. He had the um, he had he kind of did the multiple batting stances, kind of a la Rod Carew, which I which I always thought was really cool. I'm going back a ways. We're probably losing a part of the audience now, guys. But anyways, um, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, this is a Browns <laughs> podcast, right? <laughs> I know it is, but it's also a Cleveland podcast. So you know, we're going to talk a little bit of baseball here and there. Um, Jeff, when I, I tweeted out about uh, you know when you t- when you told me about um, about Phil Necro, are there is there anything in particular you remember about Phil Necro in a game that that you like that you could uh, tell in the form of a short story or anything? It's been so many years, Rod. I mean, um, it's been I it know it's just, been like twenty two, twenty. Was it yeah. mid to late eighties? It was late 80s, yeah, I guess. Um, you know, it was just, it was that time period for the Indians where they were still trying to put together competitive teams. And we ended up with a lot of guys who um, were at the tail end of their careers, you know, Hall of Famers that played their last year here or two. And, um, you know, I just, I liked Phil Necro. Um, as a player, I liked him even more as a human being. I thought he was a cool guy. Um, you know, he was kind of a grandfather figure. I just saw a picture of, um, you know, him sitting in a rocking chair with Tom Candiotti and a few other guys from the pitching staff around him back in the day. And, you know, he was kind of like everybody's dad, you know, um, but just what he could do with a knuckleball. Um, and he taught Tom Candiotti how to really perfect the knuckleball as well. Um, just, just the longevity, you know, of his career was impressive. Um, he pitched for what, 24 seasons, I want to say? 24 something, seasons, something I think, like that. Major. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, in these times, I mean, 
mortality is is all it's it's in in our face every day um it's sad to lose these hall of famers the one that really sort of hit me hard um was tom siever um i just just hadn't heard anything from him in so long i mean um joe morgan you know he was he was doing sunday night baseball for so many years it seemed like wow he was you know he was just on the air not too long ago I guess mm-hmm. it's been several years, but, um, but yeah, Tom Seaver, I was like, wow, man, that, that, that's crazy. Um, but, um, yeah, well, you know, just like Menachem said, it, it, it makes us all think about the fact that we're getting older and, um, you know, our, our, the sports heroes from our youth, um, are all passing on at this point. Um, but I think more importantly, you know, we've all been touched by loss of people who are important to us this year. Um, yeah. people we love and care about and, you know, um, the, the, the damage done by everything that's transpired since March, um, will probably stay with this generation of people, um, uh, for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I think you're right, Jeff. I think so. Um, All right, back to football. But yeah, I was going to ask you real quick. Um, uh, there, the Brown, the uh, the Indians had uh, Phil Necro and Steve Carlton. Wasn't there a time period when they when they had were, were both those guys on the team at the same time? Didn't they have two or three three hundred game winners on the? the roster at once or something. Yeah, and, and I think I think there was actually a game where Carlton relieved Necro or vice versa. I don't remember exactly, but it was just the two only, of them, right? They didn't have right. I, there wasn't that, anybody that, else. That one another. time, yeah. There, but okay. yeah, they had two two three hundred game winners on the team and one relieved the other. And I think they that was like the first time that that, that had happened in yeah. I don't know, 80, 80 years or something. A little know. bit of trivia. So Yeah. 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 Like I said, yeah, so, great great players. We we got them a little bit too late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, just a little, just a little. So yeah, so let's get back to this to the uh, Browns game against the Steelers coming up Sunday at one o'clock. Everything on the line, and let's get some predictions, guys. Uh, Menachem, you're the guest. You get to go first. I'm looking for a score prediction. If you want to throw out any stat predictions for any players, you get bonus points for that, but no requirement. So I think the Browns are going to win. I think they're going to win by a score of 31 to 27. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think that Baker is going to be um, precise. He's going to have a he's going to have a high, a good completion percentage. And I think that both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt get rushing touchdowns this week. And Chubb's about 40, 40 yards or so away from a thousand. He'll get mm-hmm. that easily. And uh, yeah, we, we win. We go to the playoffs. And watch out, America, for the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, sir. Yeah, they get healthy. Anything can happen. That's right. So, what do you think, Jeff? Well, this probably isn't going to make me real popular with the fan base. Um, Uh-oh. you know, last week I went 
with my heart. And I felt like, you know, the Browns were going to put it together. Obviously, we we recorded long before we knew how many guys were going to be out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and we thought they were going to put it together, window. you know, score score a bunch of points. Um, but I did make the, the statement last week that I thought that the Jets were going to capitalize on a turnover. It turned out to be three turnovers. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the Jets were, if the Jets capitalized on a turnover, I thought we were going to be in trouble. Um, and that's really what, in my mind, determined the game last week. So um, I, I hope I'm wrong with this. I hope that the guys that come back um, and play can settle things down um, and we can see that offense that we've seen glimpses of throughout the season, but it's been well documented now that when Baker is under pressure, he doesn't execute like he does when he has a clean pocket. Um, I just have a bad feeling that the Steelers are going to put all kinds of pressure on our offense, on our line and on Baker specifically. And I think the book is now out on how to shut us down. So I'm going to say that we are going to lose this game 24 to 23 on a Cody Parkey missed extra point. Oh, my word. Still a great season. And like I said, if they can, (laughs) if they can avoid the turnover, and if they can keep Baker clean, I think we win. All right. That's, that's not generally how things go against the Steelers. I can understand your prediction. I don't like it, but I can understand it. <laughs> you don't have to like it. <laughs> I I think, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Wills and Teller play, and I think uh, the offensive line does, does a heck of a lot better job this game. I think the Steelers rest some guys on defense, and – I think the Browns win 24-17. I think they're able to run the ball some. Uh, I think the defense does enough against uh, against Rudolph and, and you know and the rest of the Steelers to to slow them down. I, I think the Browns get uh, get what would be a fairly easy win against the Steelers. You know, a seven point win. So and move into the playoffs. So uh, eleven and five. 11 and 5 would be incredible. Um, nothing wrong with 10 and 6, but 11 and 5, very exciting. So, you know, I haven't picked against the Browns all season. I'm not going to start now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't either, and I've always taken the over. Um, so I don't know what I, the over-under is on this one. I, yeah, I, I haven't know. seen it, but I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, probably about 47. 45. 40, 47, I'm saying it's probably going to still be the over. Um, I'm, well, my, my prediction 24-23 is 47, so I'm thinking that's probably still going to be the over. But, okay. Um, so I'm taking the under. You guys are taking the over. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, Menashe, shout, out to, shout out to Jeremy because I know he's going to be listening to this. I'm still taking the over. You don't yeah, have to like the my over. pick, but I'm still taking the over. Yeah, Jeremy, I'm taking the under. Menachem's taking the <laughs> over. Uh, Menachem, any closing words before we get out of here? 
I th- I think I think it's just yeah I think it's I think it's all been said. I think I think we we win, we go to the playoffs, and and be prepared for a Super Bowl in a couple of years. Like as a little joke. Okay. I think we'll be ready. I think we'll be ready in a couple of years. I mean the fans. I'm not predicting anything for the team yet. That's Menachem. Uh, follow him at Menudo underscore man. Jeff, any closing words? The sun will come up tomorrow. Even if somehow we miss the playoffs this year, we have a solid organization. Take solace in the fact that we have a good team and we're, there's a bright future. And don't you don't have to live and die week to week. Pearls of wisdom from my big brother Jeff. Follow him at Disposer Guru. You can follow me at Clearod B. This has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>